Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. The first thing I wanted to talk about is this. It's an extremely sad email and I found it very difficult even reading it outside myself before I come on the air. And I'm going to read it out to you. It says, Hi Niall, I have a situation that is very difficult and I'm hoping you will be able to discuss it on your show with some sensitivity, please. I can't come on your show and you'll understand why once you read my email as I will be recognised. I'm a mother of a child with multiple disabilities. My son is 14 now and including having the cognitive age of a two-year-old, he is non-verbal and really quite challenging. As he gets older, he's getting stronger and I'm finding it quite difficult to manage uh, to manage him. He is already the same height as me. Uh, I have uh, two other children who are nine and six years of age. I can't work because my son takes up so much of my time and needs and so much care. My husband works and provides for us, but even when he is home, he finds it difficult and harder to deal with my son. My son has started to hit me when he loses his temper and it's getting to a point where he really is hurting me. I'm also finding it very hard to lift him as he gets older. It has taken on a massive toll on our marriage and the attention we give to our other children. And I know they are all suffering and I cry every single day as I watch myself neglect them and their needs. We haven't had a holiday or a weekend away in so long. Uh, and the last time we tried, when my son was in respite, uh, he had an episode of the first night and we had to come home. Basically, our life at the moment is not easy. And I'm at my wit's end as to what to do. I have felt life is not worth living, but I know my children need me and I want to be there for them. Uh, we get some help from the state, but certainly not enough. I love my son with every bone in my body, but I'm thinking we will soon need to put him into residential care. The thought of this, uh, the thought of this kills me as I feel like I'm failing him as his mother. I know that he doesn't understand he's hurt me when he hits me, and he has also hit one of my younger children, and that is concerning for me. He is my son. I will never stop loving him, but I have to stop and think of my other two children, too, who have been somewhat neglected because of my son's needs. My husband had mentioned it to my sister, and she called me and asked me how he could even consider putting my child into care. And I know she thinks we're being selfish for even considering it. She sees his behaviour... And she's over, but she doesn't understand what it's like to be up all night and lack sleep, not, not eat, be physically abused, daily shouted at, and it's just wearing me down as a human being. I'm wondering if you could talk about my situation and ask some of your listeners for advice. I'm hoping somebody out there uh, might be able to put my mind at ease if they were in the same situation as me before. Would I be failing as a mother if I decided to put my son into care? Maybe I'm trying to ease my guilty conscience by hearing others in this situation who have considered doing the same thing. Please don't mention my name on the show. Thanks. Look, it's a heartbreaking letter and I think everybody could imagine what life must be like in a situation where you have a child, no harm to them, but they have multiple disabilities and it's 24-hour care. They're up all night or whatever night. You're lucky to get a bit of sleep. You sleep at the same time as they do, I suppose, with the cognitive age of a two-year-old and quite strong. And her husband obviously has to go to work to provide for the family. And, you know, he comes home and does his bit as well. But, you know, the mama's there all day and he's hitting her. He's abusing her. He's shouting at her. Now, the child doesn't do it on purpose. He doesn't understand what he's doing. And she's got to a point now, he's 13 years of age. You know, he, he's getting big. We, we all know the average 13-year-old now is as tall as their parents. Um, I don't know, something they're putting in the water, I think. But anyway, children, are they seem to be getting taller. Maybe that's my imagination. But... They're strong. At 13, 14 years of age, he'll be 15 soon. You know, he'll be like a young man. Like, what's she going to do if he punches her in the face or if he hurts her or does something more serious to her? And she's worried about that too. And she's also worried about the effect it's had on her life. And you have to be rational about certain things sometimes. I mean, her marriage is obviously on the rocks because it's very difficult to have a, a relationship, a loving relationship, an intimate relationship with somebody when you have somebody to look after for 24 hours a day. It's very difficult to give attention to your other children, your young children, when you've got somebody who's, I suppose, drawing all that attention constantly um, with 24-hour care. And that's not their fault that they have multiple disabilities. I'm just saying they will draw all that attention. It's a very difficult situation to deal with on every level. But maybe you've been in that situation, you know, or maybe you think it's wrong of any parent to even consider putting their child into care. Can you understand why a parent might feel that that's their only option? Residential care, of course, means that, you know, the child will be in a residential care unit and she can visit at weekends or whatever it is that she goes and visits. Um, but the child obviously won't be at home anymore. Do you think it's a good idea? 
Would you consider that? If you were in her position, would you consider that? Or do you think that is a selfish thing to do? I want to get your thoughts on this today and maybe give her some advice. Maybe you've been in that situation. Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. You can text her WhatsApp right now. Let me go to Jerry. Jerry, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Jerry? Hi, Niall. How are you? Nice to talk to you again, Jerry. We spoke, and you too. We spoke some time ago, and I can't even remember what the, the topic of the conversation was at the time, but I do remember talking about your situation, which is very similar, by the way, to the to this very, letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just remind our listeners again, a little bit of a fre- refresher in relation it's to your just, case. Yeah, my son Louis was um, home till he was 21, and very similar to that mum whose email you just read out, situation and um yeah he ended up going to residential but he does come home every weekend Mm -hmm. okay and his behavior became challenging he was challenging from day one okay yeah and you know to give people an idea well she's talking about her son now is 14 years of age i'm sure you can remember when louis was 14 yeah and and when louis was 14 what was your to give people i suppose some sort of perspective of what your day is like what was you you know we wake up in the morning what time would you wake up what's your day like you wouldn't wake up now because you'd be up all night. Because, okay, so you'd be um, lucky to get a bit of sleep when he sleeps, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, at 14, all the, they're just the same as us. They're the same as everybody else. They have hormones and, you know, puberty and all of that, which does affect their behaviours as well. And um, it's very challenging all, all through the day. You, you have to be 10 steps ahead of them the whole time, minding other people, keeping them safe you know, trying to feed them, change them. It was just a, a daily grind of, mm-hmm. you know. How I describe it, now is a lifetime bereavement. That's oh how I describe yeah. having, you know, because you love this person so much and they're there in front of you, but are they really? It's just a, 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 such a constant slog of hard, hard labour trying to ensure that they're safe and that they're fed and changed and that's, Basically, the daily grind. Of and it. did Louis ever hit you? Yes, and, many and, of the time. And did he hurt you? Yes. And of course, now just to be clear, Louis didn't know that he was doing that. When I say he didn't know, he doesn't understand that. You know, that's, completely. Yeah, completely. It was his frustration, I think. You know, yeah. And he, he's under. It, that was his way of trying to communicate with me that things weren't right. But yeah, he put me in any on a number of occasions. You know? Nobody, see, as a human being, nobody should ever have to deal with that. There has to be a better way of dealing with these we're situations. We're not wired for it now. No, no, we're not. But because it's your child, I gave birth to Louis. I, I looked down when when he was born and I saw these beautiful almond eyes and I just said, welcome, little man, you know. Yeah. I didn't know what lay ahead of me. And when did you find out, at what age was Louis when, you know, it was it that he didn't reach those milestones? Yeah, 20 minutes after he was born, the doctor said to me. But I knew, I had a great love for people with Downs mm. prior to that. You know, I just had a great love for them. I'd always spend time talking to them if I met them in the streets or whatever. So maybe I was destined to have Louis. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Yeah, because I, people, some people believe we're kind of given these challenges sometimes in life. There's a reason for everything. And some people will try to reason everything that there's a reason why we're given these challenges in life. Possibly. I was very wild before I had my children. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he grounded me and yeah. taught me what was important in life. Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of positives as well. You know, even through my darkest days, I always said to myself, he's here to teach me something. You know, yeah. I just didn't see it at the time. And... What was the point, if you can remind people, what was the point where you kind of said to yourself, I can't take any more of this? I, that never happened to me, Niall. Um, I told you that the last time I was talking to you, it was very much a gradual process, you know, because his challenges were getting bigger and bigger as he aged. And um, it wasn't just one thing, it was everything. Mm. I had no, I never went outside the door. I was constantly at home. I missed weddings, funerals, everything. You know, and, and did was, you get did you, in, in, in that time that he was with you? I mean, he was with you till what was it, eighteen or nineteen years old? What, what 21, age? Twenty-one. Oh, he oh he was there till twenty-one. Okay, so in the twenty-one years, did you get a holiday? I did actually. Okay, you <laughs> snuck away once. Happy. Did you? Yeah, I, I he went to respite for um, while I was away. Now right. it was only a few days here yeah. and there, but yeah, I did get that. Yeah. Okay. 
and that had another son as well, you know. And and I'm kids. just curious, by the way, while you were on that holiday, if you can remember, while you were on that holiday, were you still thinking about him? Were you still thinking, I hope he's okay? Constantly, was, constantly. Yeah. That's what I mean, a lifetime bereavement. It stays with you all the time. Mm-hmm. You're ne- I'm never free of Louis. Louis, they are right in front of me now. Mm-hmm. As I'm speaking, so thinking, of, I wonder how he is and how his day is going. So, so then the challenge is, when you decide to put him into residential care, the challenge then is, you know, the, your own guilt then. Am I doing the right thing? And they think this is what this woman is saying to herself, you know, because obviously her husband told her sister. And, you know, the sister is kind of given the impression that, well, this is the easy way out, isn't it? Throw him into residential care, sure, anything would be grand. And now she's feeling guilty, you know? Yeah. With all due respect to the sister, um, I don't think she's in any position to judge mom. No, she's not living there, is she? No, no, she hasn't a clue. Yeah. I had nobody, like, I mean, I had one, and my mom died. My mom got very sick when Louis was born. Yeah. And she lived for nine years with t- profound brain damage from viral encephalitis. And I was trying to mind her as well. And my mom's best friend just take Louis on a Saturday for about a, a couple of hours. Mary Megan. So you were caring for your mom and Louis at the same time? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Jerry, you're, an, a- you're an angel. You're an angel, Jerry. I am. <laughs> That's the last thing I am now. <laughs> I know. I mean, but I mean. You you would you spent you spent your life caring for people. My dad said that to me the other day. He said he was he had the flu years ago, yeah. and he was both in bed, and um, no one went to see him except me. <laughs> he said, <laughs> even as a small child. <laughs> and and I, I'm not suggesting for a minute that you enjoyed doing it. Well, that's a silly thing to say. You probably did enjoy doing it to some degree, obviously, because he's a I child and you love him. In Louis, yeah. I got great joy because I of the love that I had with him and. You know, even though he, he's non-verbal and, you know... Do you think he, he understood you? Do you? Even totally. though he's non-verbal, like, so he understood what you were saying to him. Totally. And, and could, his eyes. Could his he, eyes did, did he communicate with you with his eyes? Yes. So would you, have, you would have known what he wanted on a, on a daily basis? Completely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's almost like that hidden language between the two of you. Yes. Yeah. Completely, yeah, bizarrely. And, you know, people then that are caring for him, they've got to learn how to communicate with him, you know. And did that but, worry you when he went into residential care, that oh, they wouldn't absolutely. they wouldn't know what to, to do or how to deal with him or what he wanted? That's probably the biggest thing for me is that he, he's nonverbal. He can't tell me, say, ma'am, this happened to me today, you know, or come in and tell me how his day was. Mm-hmm. There's none of that ever. You know, I... I, I now the staff are amazing and I trust them 100%. They're just fantastic people. So I know that he's safe and he's very much loved outside because he's quite a little character, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but, he, gets up to, um, he gets up to development as well as anything oh, else. Oh, he's full of mischief. <laughs> <laughs> and do, do you have other children, Jerry? I do. I have another son, Elias. Yeah. He's um, 28. Okay, and but you know younger children? No, no. Okay, I see, in, the, in this girl's situation, she's two children who are younger, and she said she cries every day as I watch myself neglect them and their needs. And, and, and I can, I understand exactly what she's saying. So in other words, all her attention has been sucked up by the one child, and I can see why. But, you know, the other children are not getting, she believes, the love and attention they deserve too. Yeah. And that's hard, isn't it? That's, uh, that I found extraordinarily hard because my eldest son was only two when Louis was born. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, and I remember saying to myself, I'm going to work so hard and make sure that Elias has the best life as well. And I did go, you know, I did work extraordinarily hard to make sure. Did you overcompensate? Did you try to overcompensate? Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) But he he was spoiled, but he turned out to be the the loveliest man, you know. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, and was he of much help to you then as well? Would he have been kind of helpful for to you? I didn't actually put it on him now because it wasn't his, 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 his brother. And absolutely always, you know, if I needed something, he was very good and absolutely helped me. And hmm. But I never put it on him, if you know what I mean. I, I don't want I this to sound like... I to go out and play and be with his friends and, and hmm. live his life. I, I don't want this to be too much of a personal question because I'm sure listeners are probably thinking it, so I need to obviously ask the question, but was Louis' father part in his life at all? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God. Wonderful and, father. Okay. 
So he was there too. But between the two of you, it was still very difficult because as it mentions in this email, you know, the husband is going out to work and providing for the family. And by the time he gets home, he's tired, obviously. He's not as good at dealing with the child, obviously, as the mother. And I think that in a lot of cases, that would be the case. Well, when when you have challenges, you know, it, it really rests with the mom. Yeah, of I, I believe. Yeah, you know, because you can't go to work, obviously. Without yeah. any, you know, like, I mean, my husband would make the dinner when he'd come in, you know. He'd, he'd do what he needed to do, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Whereas I was that hands-on person because I could cope with this yeah. better. So it was a team effort. Yes, absolutely. As, as such. Yeah, but it is 24 hours a day. And when you say, you know, you try and get a sleep, and he, how often would Louis sleep? Or would he sleep much? Oh, it, it, like, I mean, I can remember going days, days, lots, maybe five or six days without a proper sleep. I, I, like, if he was playing something, I'd lie down on the couch alongside him and I'd doze, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd jump up and I'd say, oh, geez, I shouldn't be falling asleep. I was in a constant state of exhaustion, and it's akin to torture, like. Yeah, no, I know it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they did actually do that. They used that during the war to torture people. That's right. Literally yeah, keeping yeah. them awake was torturous. Right, I tell you, what. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And is Louis? I mean, he's in residential care now, and you, you go and or you, he comes home at the weekends. Yes. So yeah, it's the he's opposite coming home way. Now on Friday. Right, and when he comes home, is he? Is he? Do you think he's happy in the residential car? Maybe it's hard to tell. I don't know. You would know better than anybody. But is he okay? Is he handling it okay? Well, it, it took years. Do you see, you can It's a process, Nile. It, it starts maybe with letting go for a few hours a day, and then maybe into um, respite for a night or whatever. It, it, you just can't turn around one day and say, "There you go." I, I'm not doing this anymore because... Pack his bags and off you go. Yeah, you can't just do that. No, it's a process, definitely. You know, it was for me anyway. Mm -hmm. And just speaking from my perspective, it took me years. And I'm still, to this day, and I think I'll always feel the same, that I've left him down to some degree. No, you haven't. You have, you, Jerry. you've been the most amazing mother listening to your story. You've been the most... And I listened the last time you were on with us. You've the most amazing story and... Nobody could be expected to do what you have done. So he, you should be very proud of yourself. You've never yeah. let him down at all. No, you but did that's everything how, you could. How, that's how um, profound disability makes the carer feel because mm. you feel you're never good enough. Yeah. And that poor mom, my heart goes out to her, you know. Mm. And when Louis comes home now at the weekend, uh, you know, when he's home, he'll be home this, this oh, weekend. Oh, King Louis, he walks in straight to the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> and do, do you think he's more appreciative of you now that he gets to see you less? Um, I don't know that. I, I know that he's very happy when he comes home. And then when it takes, uh, uh, it's again, getting him from the house to the car could take, you know, I try to put on his socks and his shoes and that could take two hours. And then he'll toddle out to the car and then I have to drive. It's a hundred mile round trip to the house. And he's very happy in the car going back. I put on um, music and he rocks and he may have... What's his favourite music? What? Dave Bowie. Oh, he likes Dave Bowie. He's a good Pink Floyd. uh, He has great great taste in music. Like his mother. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you can tell him that I'm a big Pink Floyd fan. So he's great taste in music. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, And he loves that. He rocks in the car when you're bringing him back. And then when he has to get out of the car to go back into the residential care, is that difficult or is he okay with that? Is he all oh, right? That, is, that has been a nightmare. Like, I mean, that could have taken... I've had to leave my car and ring a family member to come and get me because he wouldn't get out of the car. Oh. You know, and um, it, it's it's awful. Like, it, But that was at the beginning. Yeah, but yeah. The staff just went above and beyond and now he gets now he has to get a garlic chip with cheese from Supermax in Nina right in County Tip and that's, um, all, that's all part of the process is it the yeah. process yes absolutely yeah. and then he, um, he we'll arrive at the door and then they'll show him the chip and maybe give him one and then he he kind of it's kind of like to lure him in almost yes but I, <laughs> I, that's why he got so fast I had to use um, food as a lure because he'd lie down in the street and me, you know. <laughs> oh my! Yeah. God, Jerry, yeah. you've you've really have your hands full. I think people have a wonderful and amazing appreciation 
of what mothers like you do. And you're not unique, by the way. There are so many mothers, particularly mothers across the country who are. And I know there are fathers, too, uh, but it is primarily mothers who are left at home, you know, if somebody has to provide for the family. So there are so many people like yourself all across the country who are doing exactly what you do every single day. And I don't think we have the respect and the understanding to know what you're actually going through, because I... I'm thinking to myself, could I do that? And the selfish part of me is saying, absolutely not. But, you know, I suppose when you love a child and it's your own child, you'll do anything for them. Anything, anything at all. Mm. You name it, it's done. In- including sacrificing your own life, which is essentially what you've done. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and definitely and, my life was on pause. Yeah. Anyway, you know, but I'm starting to learn to live again, you know, but that's a process for me to go through. And after 21 years... You know, now that you have the free time again, you know, to go to the shops, to, to just yeah. sit down and have a have lunch without have to worry about where Louis is, knowing that Louis is safe in the residential Louis care. Louis is safe and yeah. that, but that he's happy and he's content. So, how, so are, you, are you kind of going out of your mind now thinking, what should I do with my free time? No, not. <laughs> I, I, I look after um, a lovely neighbour. Around the corner. That, so you um, just can't give great. up the caring, is that I what you're telling me? Right. No, I can't. <laughs> I'm destined, <I'd> <laughs> I think you're destined to be a carer for the rest <laughs> of your life. Would you, would you ever look after yourself, for God's sake, Jerry? I do, Nell. I'm very good to myself as well. Because, yeah, be kind to yourself. I yeah. have a lovely family, you know. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time with them. I don't have a sister. Okay. And when my man got sick, that was, oh God, in the ni- early 90s, um, you know, you lose a part of yourself, you know, I'd have loved her to have been with me. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, well, just, just finally, so this, this woman who sent this in about the 14 year old son, you can remember when Louis was 14 and what you were going yeah. to, and it sounds like exactly the same thing to some degree. I mean, and maybe she has a little bit more to lose in the sense that she has younger children, uh, you know, as well, two younger children and she's at her wits end. What advice would you give her? She says she feels guilty. Yeah. And well, even thinking about residential care. There's nothing you can do about the guilt because you will always have the guilt now. But as I said, for me, it was a process. And I would start with um, trying to get him into maybe a little bit of respite for the family so mm. that they can do something together. She, do, she, does, she does mention here that we haven't had a holiday or weekend away in so long. And the last time we tried when my son was in respite, he had an episode on the first night and we had to come home again. I'm sure, yeah. you've, I'm sure you've been there. Yeah, well, normally now the respite, they, they'd be able to, you know, they'd have a, um, a, a care plan in place for for her son and that they'd be able to deal with the with the issues at hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. Well, maybe maybe this, I, don't, I don't know his, she doesn't tell me his disabilities and what it is or what's wrong with him as such. Yeah. She just says he has the cognitive age of a two-year-old. Two-year-old, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and he has multiple disabilities, she mentions. Okay. Yeah, well, so you put the plans in place. Don't don't feel guilty. Put the plans in place, and I suppose give herself a break. I go through the process yeah. of of getting some respite and then building from there. That okay. would be my advice. And to look after herself. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Jerry, listen. Thank you very much indeed for sharing your story with us again. No saying, problem, I really, really I... appreciate it. And you are an angel. You're a wonderful person. Oh God, I must shine my wings. Yeah. Well, if we all had a Jerry in our lives, we'd be doing well. <laughs> Jerry, listen, thank you and have a wonderful day. All right, thanks you very much indeed. Nice. God bless. Mind yourself. Bye, bye. There you go, Jerry, who looked after Louis, who's now probably 26. Uh, and uh, he was in a residential care since 21, but you heard how challenging her life is. That's exactly what this woman in the email is saying. And she wants to put her son in residential care. Now, he's only 14, but he's hitting her. He's beating her, just as Jerry was. Louis was, was beating Jerry, uh, but didn't understand, of course, the damage he was doing because obviously he's a cognitive age of a two-year-old. He's like a baby. He's the mind of a baby. Um, so realistically, what should she do? Should she feel guilty about putting her child into residential care, or should you just? I know this. Somebody texts in and says, "No, uh, that's the hand you're dealt. You have to deal with it." I, I, I get what you're saying, but you know, none of us as human beings are equipped to deal with that. We do deal with it because we have to, and Jerry had no choice. But as a human being, you, you shouldn't have to deal with that. You shouldn't have to be beaten on a daily basis, or hit on a daily basis, or abused on a daily basis to care for somebody. You know, there should be, firstly, there should be a lot more help from the state, absolutely. Uh, but in saying that, if you do want to put a child into residential care, 
I don't think people should be judging you. Uh, the number's 087-188-0008. Maybe you could give advice if you've been in that situation. Um, lots of texts coming in. Somebody, by the way, mentions that, could I just uh, mention it, that, you know, obviously children with Down syndrome can live very healthy lives, of course, and at home with their parents. Of course they can. And, and of course, I, I don't know in this particular case, the email, I don't know. I know Jerry mentioned Down syndrome at one point. Uh, but in this particular email, there's no mention of what the disability or disabilities this child has. But obviously, they're reasonably serious to the point where it's very difficult to look after them on a 24-hour day basis and it's very challenging and I know all disabilities have their own challenges and I do appreciate that and some people deal with those challenges differently to others uh, and some people are able for it and some people are just not and if I was in that situation and I'm just being honest with you and I said that to Jerry that if I was at home with a child that was physically bigger than me stronger than me and was hitting me every single day and I wasn't getting any sleep as Jerry mentioned she didn't sleep for five days at one stage I mean I I couldn't deal with that. That may be a selfish side of me. Maybe I'd have to deal with it. Of course, it was my own child that you loved so dearly. But I would find that extremely difficult to deal with as a human being because we're not designed to deal with that sort of thing physically or emotionally. So I I understand why some people would choose in very difficult situations. And everybody's situation is different, by the way. You know, for somebody who would, you know, text in or WhatsApp in and say, oh, she shouldn't have done that, she shouldn't have done that. You don't know. You weren't there. You weren't in that situation. Yes, maybe you do have a child with a disability and you're dealing with it and that's fine and that's your way and, you know, you're better at dealing with it. But every situation is different and every child is different. You know, and every person or that you're caring for, it could be an older person you're caring for, it could be a sibling, like a sister or a brother or even a mother or father with a disability that you're dealing with. It could be every situation is different and everybody is different. Some people are better at it, some people are not as good at it. Jerry sounds like she was brilliant at it and spent 21 years of her life until a point came where she just physically couldn't do it anymore. And that has to be respected. Daniel, you're in Ireland's Plastic Kids. How you doing, Daniel? I'm not too bad yourself. Good, Daniel. Listening to Jerry, you know, the, the woman is an angel for, you know, going through that all her life, you know, dealing with the physical, the verbal abuse that she would have got, more so physical, I suppose, uh, abuse because he was non-verbal, so to say. But, I mean, could you... Did deal with that situation, or what advice would you give to this woman in the email? Uh, my thinking is very straight. It's just have your personal life. I know there is the aspect that your child and so on and so on, but you have to live your life. There are professionals all around. They can help you to carry for that child, so you can be a happy, healthy person. And. What about the other kids? They're suffering. Families suffering. These are the younger kids, yeah, yeah, who were yeah, yeah, nine exactly. and six. Yeah. So we have to think outside the box and see the other people around you, and especially yourself. And I can imagine all the stigma around, possibly uh, that's a Catholic church, about caring about older people or your kids. But there are different factors you have to take under consideration, like yourself. She sacrificed so much already. And she sacrificed 21 years of her life. Exactly, exactly. Start to move on and think about yourself. Even me and my wife recently, we clearly communicate to our kids, look, there is no way you're going to look after us when we elder it. You have your life. Live so you, your want, life. you don't want to burden your children with looking after you? I, we told them already, there is no way you're going to look after us. Send us to the home, the specialist, they will look after us. You are young. You have your life. Live your life. That's my point. Mm. And, and there is an argument for that, that we only get one life. We get one shot at it. We get 80 years, roughly, ballpark. Uh, and that's it. You don't get a second run at it. You know, you don't get to make choices again a second time. And the last thing anybody wants to do is look back at their life and, and, and have regrets that I should have done something differently to enjoy life more. I, and I encourage everybody to enjoy their life as best they can and make those decisions that make sure you enjoy your life. But sometimes yeah. love can take over, Daniel. And in your situation where you said, I told my kids this, I don't want to be a burden on their lives, you know, stick us in the care home if we need it, you know, you don't be looking yeah. after us and you live your life. But they might love you so much that they want to do that. Let's just say for argument's sake, you know, you ended up with Alzheimer's, okay? And I hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, you're out of the loop, so to speak. You wouldn't know what was going on. And they might love you so much they want to bring you home and they want to care for you. You can't stop that. I can't stop that, but in, the, in that case, particular case with our kids, um, they know that was communicated, and they're not old, like, they're 13 and 20. Mm-hmm. So we we'll keep repeating that. 
Maybe there is a chance they're going to go for it. I don't know. But at this stage, I'm 100% sure they will uh, obey our, not obey, sorry, the other word. They will listen to us and they will remember what we said, that's our will, yeah, regardless of yeah. what they may think. That's, that's my, our and, thinking and at the moment. Did your parents live a long life, Daniel? Or are they still with us? Yeah, it's still there. Uh, there is a point, because I remember my, my dad, he always, when I was kids, in Poland, it's very, very common for the actually family members or brothers or sisters looking after elderly parents. It's just the way it is. And there's this stigma again. Yeah. He was talking with Daniel, oh, Jesus, I don't want to end up in the cellar. Uh, you know, that kind of... So the, there's, in, in Poland, there's a kind of obligation to look after your parents, is there really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, may, it may change, you know. I, I can't tell. Um, I, now. I don't know. I mean, what in in Poland? What what are the state like at providing for the elderly and providing you know respite and providing carers and you know and meals? You know, so the elderly will get meals on wheels, which would be people to deliver food around to them and look after them. And uh, what's it like in Poland? Is it as good I, as it is here? I would I wouldn't be sure hundred percent now because I'm not in the topic. So I, I would say yes. But twenty years ago there were home cares uh, and they were available. Not sure if they're available uh, money wise, if you know what I mean. So yes. not necessarily every single person could afford it. Okay. So maybe that's the reason that they have to stick to that and keep them in the home. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. I don't know. I would, now. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed for your input, and I appreciate you coming on, Daniel. All right. Thank you. Right, right, right. Okay, Daniel says uh, he has instructed his kids uh, that when he gets older, if he needs to be cared for, they're not to do it. That he doesn't want to be a burden on their lives. And a lot of, by the way, people have said that, by the way, in relation to their children. I don't want my children to be burdened with me when I get older. Put me in a home or whatever you need to do, but just don't burden me. Don't burden yourself with me. Uh, But getting back to this particular woman, is she right to feel guilty? Somebody says, now she should feel guilty. It's her son. She has a duty to look after him. We're all dealt the hand that we're dealt, and that's just the way it is. That's life. You know, you're all simple. Well, no, I wouldn't say you're all simplifying it. Most of you have a great amount of sympathy. Um, but some of you are simplifying this a little bit too much. Niall, hey, obviously the child doesn't understand what he's doing, but um, the other children are being left out of attention. That can have difficulties later on in life. Um, and regards of the child that doesn't know what he's doing, hitting the mother, I don't know what the, the situation, I don't know what the um, the answer is there, but it's, it's an awkward situation, but you can't be letting people abuse you and, you know, assault you and that, and, you know, when you have other children there, they're being le- let there, not being looked after, not being given attention, it, there is consequences to that, so the answer is, I don't know, Noel, but it's an awkward situation, cheers pal. Rachel, you're on Ireland's Classic Kids, how are you? Hey, Noel, how are you? Good. I, I, but listen. I'm really sad listening to that email. Really sad. And, and what's more sad, like what's making me more sad is I don't feel there's a lot of empathy for people about it. No, um, I think we, everybody thinks they know better, you know, and everybody thinks they yeah, can judge. Just, it's like, oh, she's just giving away her child. I can tell you, honest to God, now, I have a special needs child. I do with them. Okay. One has more complex needs. And I can tell you now, for any parent, and I, I, I will tell you this, since the day he's been born, and I can... Do you know what? It's probably one thing I can actually say that I'm really proud of. I live and dedicate every minute of every day to them. Yep. And I have to say, the work I put in with, and more so with my son, yep. is that people don't understand. It's not the same as raising a neurotypical kid. It really isn't. No. People don't see what happens. Like, when my, mind, my son was four, like, and I hate to even say this, like, he broke, like, six teeth in my head from headbutting me. Like, no, and at the time, he wasn't trying to hurt me. He wasn't trying to do that. It was just how it happened. Do you know what I mean? Okay, he, but, he just had a moment. Like, yeah. Exactly. But, and, and these are the things that people don't realise. And, and when you say he broke when six you teeth in your head, did, did you end up in A&E and everything? Yeah, no, he had had a severe meltdown, um, and I was trying to hug him from behind. Okay. And he smacked his head back. Oh, gosh, um, right. Yeah, so, like, and a mom says, like, can you imagine trying to deal with that with a 21 or 22-year-old man? No, I couldn't. Exactly. And when you have not got that help and that support, and that, and trust me, with a severe meltdown, that's nothing. That is nothing. Do you know what I mean? Because they can get so severe where they will just 
destroyed the house. And I can tell you, they don't actually genuinely want to hold them. They don't mean it because when they smell that meltdown, they see the, the damage they've caused or what they've done. They are so, like, I remember my son, he, when I say heartbroken, you could feel him. He was heartbroken. But see, at least, but here's the thing, at least it's your son, and I know you said he has complex needs, but yes. I, you can imagine what it would be like if you multiply that by 10. Because I think that's what, say, Jerry was dealing with, you know, with Louis, um, you know, where he had not, he was completely nonverbal. Um, and yeah, and do you know what? My son was nonverbal until he was six, right? My, yeah. And I ha- now, I will say there was a huge difference once he became verbal. So, no, it didn't like everything didn't go away, everything wasn't like funky. Um, and what, when, you, when you say he was nonverbal, did he, say, did he have selective mutism, was it? Um, no, he just, he, he, he he didn't speak. He didn't say anything. Okay, because I think they, they, a lot of people would, would call that or say that's what they call selective mutism. It's sometimes a psychological where a child has the, has the ability to use language but just won't yeah. do it. Do you know what oh, I mean? No, yeah, no. See, what happened with, with my son, what was, he was able to make noises. And then when he started speaking, he would say just one word all the time. Okay. And then it became like kind of gradual. He would use one word for everything. Okay. And then it kind of became gradual. And then over then, like over time. And, and, and how is he now? Like, how is he now? Oh, very. Now he still speaks very kind of childlike. But yeah. you can't keep him quiet. <laughs> Which, and, 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 I'm sure, and I'm sure there are moments, Rachel, where you're tearing your hair out, sitting down, crying your eyes out, yep. going, my God, what did I do in life to deserve this? But it, there are other times no, then you when you what? love both of them. Do you know what? I have to be honest with you. Know, as hard as it is for me, and I, and I do, and I, the real phase, and I have to be honest, it's so hard mentally and emotionally some days. I, honest to God, genuinely would not change a day of it. Yeah. Now, the only thing I would change is if I could better their lives. That's the only thing I've changed. I would not change. They, I have to say, like, I've always said this, since the day he's been born, he has changed me and changed basically my whole life. Like, he has taught me how to be more grateful. He has taught me how to be more considerate. He has taught me how to deal with things in a different way. Through having him, I've learned to be, and I know this, a much, much better person. And I but the, yeah, but the, point, the point you want to make is for those who were judging... But people don't understand how hard it is. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah walk a mile in, your sho- in my shoes and then you'll understand, yeah. Exactly. Like, here's the thing. My, my son is in his early state. I don't want to kind of give a say. Okay, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, no, go on, yeah. Right? Yeah. And he's still in that piece. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now... Imagine trying to do that for a 21-year-old. No, I, I can't. And I even I mean? get them in and out of a bath, for example, things like that, yeah. Exactly. People don't understand the kind of things you need to have support for. But you heard Jerry saying it takes her two hours just to get his shoes and socks on to get him into the car. Oh, yeah. I believe that. I believe that. And people do. People, I've often had people like, yeah, right. And I'm like, because you'd see him running and he'd be all smiley and happy. And people would be like, yeah, no way. And I'm like, they, they don't get it. Or, or she said he was lying on the road. She'll have to get chips to lure him off the road. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I did. Actually, I was going up to, to Belfast one day and I was in the Apple Green garage there on the main road. And there was a woman standing there and her child was on the ground having a meltdown. And I felt yeah. so sorry for her. But she was quite blasé about it. She was obviously used to it. And But he was having a meltdown on the floor and it, it was so difficult for her. So, so difficult yeah. for her. You yeah. know what I mean? And then you have people going by that are judging. judging. Yeah, oh, you're a bad parent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You think, oh my God, look at them, they're a spoiled child. Now, and you know what? I will, I'll hold my hands up to I've always said it. Before I had my, before I had the two with needs, I genuinely would have had the same point would, of view because I, I had yeah. no understanding of autism. I had no understanding of intellectual disabilities. I had no understanding of any of this. So, for me, I've always found that education and talking about it is the best way of kind of getting okay. rid of it. And, okay, so just finally, because I'm running out of time, in relation to this mother, she's listening now with a 14-year-old who has a, obviously serious challenges and he's hitting her every single yeah. day, da 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 And she's thinking about putting him into, yeah. into care. What would, you, what would you say to her about the guilt that she's feeling about even considering that? Oh, God, you know, I think that guilt is going to be there whether he stays or goes. Yeah. And I think she needs to look at the overall picture, what's best for both. Yeah. Is he getting, could he do better? Like, could he have more support there? Could he have someone that's there 24-7 being able to give him everything he needs? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if she's running herself into the ground and literally going, literally running, kind of being so distraught over all this, she's not going to be able to be properly there for him at all. No, she won't be with us much longer if that's the case. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, thank you, Rachel, and thank you for sharing your story with us. I appreciate it. All right, thank you very much. No problem, not. All right, there you go. Rachel also has a child with challenging needs and difficulties. And look, uh, a lot of people texting in, you know, saying, and every child, again, I want to point out, every case is different. Everybody deals with it differently, and every child is different, and every behaviour is more challenging than others, and et cetera, et cetera. So nobody can say, oh, well, look, well, I have a child with challenging needs, and I can deal with it, sure, I'm brilliant. That's fair enough. You're great. And I don't mean that in a patronising way. You are great. Uh, but there are other people out there who have a child that maybe has more challenging needs. Does your child hit you, punch you daily? Do you get sleep? Like Jerry talks about five days with no sleep. You know, you and Rachel rightly said, you're no use to your child if you're exhausted all the time. Um, let me go to Teresa. You're on Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Teresa? Hi, Niall. Uh, now, Teresa, you have a 16-year-old. Uh, I suppose this is going back to... Um, the email that we had at the start. So we're talking about putting children into a residential care. So yeah. yeah so you have a sixteen-year-old, is it? Oh, sorry, you, you put no, him no. in at sixteen. He, he was put in at sixteen. I do apologize. Girl, my daughter. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what led you to that point? Well, I had five children at the time. Now, uh, one was a year older than my daughter, and the other three were younger. Okay. And she had very challenging behaviours. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm a bit nervous. Uh, don't, be, um, don't be nervous, yeah. just me and you. I'm your best friend. <laughs> I, uh, I spoke to you before, actually, about her, but I was under a them at the time um, about her not being vaccinated in oh, care. Okay. If you remember. I do vaguely remember it now, actually. Yes, it's come back to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, yeah, she had very difficult, challenging behaviours um, to the point where I'd be up scrubbing her bedroom all down in the middle of the night okay. um, putting her in a bath. Um, she she's non-verbal. She's doubly incontinent. Uh, incontinent. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, I couldn't get all in one sleep suits here for her, so I eventually had to send to England just to stop her getting in at her nappies. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, the walls were being scrubbed down like night yeah. after night. And Gosh, I can't, I can't imagine what that's like to have to do that every every night. I know it's, it's all part of dealing with a child with needs. Yeah, I mean, to the point even where I had to have um, the occupational therapist had come out of the house and at one stage she had, had bars on the inside of her bedroom window because it didn't matter. She was very agile at the time. Right. And, and would she get out the window, do you think? She'd climb up onto her window ledge. Right. And she'd put her head through the window, put her head through the gas. Oh, no. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it got to the stage where uh, she, she was belted into her bed like a, like a yeah, you know. I know, I know yeah. Restrained, out. restrained, yeah. Restrained. She was restrained into her bed and a scissors hanging up on her bedroom wall so that I could cut her free if she got entangled. And it was just a nightmare. Um, oh, you poor thing having to go through yeah. all that. And, and your daughter having to go through all that as well because yeah, it's not yeah, her fault. Yeah. You know? And um, she slept very little. If she got two hours sleep, she, you know, that was it. She was up. She was full of life. Um, and what, she, was she like, what was she like during the day then when she was, you know, when she wasn't in her room? Obviously, she'd be downstairs or she'd be out Extremely active. You, you, you'd have to follow her around the house all the time, which wasn't always possible. And then I might go up and find her hanging... Oh. Um, over the banisters by the backs of her legs. Stuff like, you know, you think, oh my God, how did she do that? You know. So she was putting her life in danger constantly. Yeah. And she was, uh, she's an epileptic as well. So, I mean, I'd often just be maybe walking down the street with her and she'd drop to the ground and uh, smash her head off the ground. And I'd I'd have to sit on the the ground in town with her and people would be walking by and be trying to console her. Um, yeah, you, you know, and I wouldn't know, never know what was wrong. But I never saw her crying, only once. And would she, would she, be, would she be angry crying. when she be, when she be on the ground or when she be doing these things? Was she angry? I wouldn't or know was... because she'd be walking, holding my hand one minute, and the next thing she'd just drop to her knees. She wouldn't be angry. Was there ever, uh, was there ever times she... that her behaviour was inverted commas normal, so to speak? And I don't mean normal as in normal. But was there ever times where you thought, you know, that she's a happy child or? She's a sad child, or I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's very hard to say because she didn't really show emotion. Yeah, you know, there was you couldn't say like that. She showed emotion. You'd never see her laughing or 
her crying. She'd smile. I used to sing a particular song to her constantly that I knew she liked because she'd smile and rock. Yeah. And to this day now, she's 41, and I'll still sing that song. Right, okay. And she'll still smile, and she'll still react to that song. Okay. But, um, you know, so... And and what was the point, when you say 16... Um, obviously, you know, Jerry was telling us about Louis and she put Louis into care when he was 21. At 16, yeah. she just became too much for you to deal with, was it? Yeah, the epilepsy was really getting bad and trying to get her in and out of the bath. And like I, I had four young, I, I had uh, three younger children, sorry. Yeah. Um, um, I'd had a couple of major operations and I'd been diagnosed with arthritis on my spine and look, it's not right. even really about that. It was just really difficult. Well, no, no, it is about that because, I mean, you have to look after yourself too on top of all that. And I'm, I'm assuming then you ignore your own problems to deal with theirs. Well, she, she'd headbutt, uh, like um, that other lady was saying. Um, you might just, she'd be sitting on your lap and, you mean, you, t- you take a, a 12, 13, 14 year old sitting on your lap and then just lash that head back into your face without warning, yeah. like a broken nose twice and, mm-hmm. you know, like um, she she'd you? lash she out hit? her fist at the other kids and yeah. I don't think she was doing it deliberately. It was you know, just like her way of reacting. Yeah. It was just a reaction from her. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, the only way the she knew how to they do were things. Yeah. 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 So um, when, when it was suggested, when they asked me, to let her go into full-time care, I was really, really um, not up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, eventually tried, I said I'd let her go for a weekend, and or a week, sorry, and see how it was. Now, it was difficult, um, but mm-hmm. the, the difference in the household itself. The calm. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and what was it like for you to have that bit of time to yourself I mean, I know, I know there was probably party that was feeling fierce guilty for putting her in residential care. But what for you to have some time to actually sit down and go? I can have. I can probably really can probably remember back to how I actually felt at the time. I probably got a lot of work done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of catch up done. But when when I eventually let Karen, when I did let Karen go in, then full yeah. time. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I lost the run of myself for a while. For a couple of years, like having the life, and yeah, you know, yeah. so because you would, but, you would be basically you had been institutionalized into that type of life of caring for her, and to the extreme, to the point of extreme. And was there is there a time? That, I mean, you're saying she's 41 now, so it's a long yeah. time ago now. Is there has there ever been any point in that time where you regretted the decision you made when she was 16, or did you do you believe now no. you made the right decision? I've never regretted it because I see how well Karen's. I see how well Karen is. Well, yeah. that's her name, Karen. Yeah. I see how well Karen is taken care of. Yeah, uh, all her needs are met medically, emotionally, and how is physically. she now at forty-one? Pardon? How is she now at forty-one? She's. Uh, is her behaviour still challenging? No, not really. Now I okay. think the medication has taken over, and okay. Okay. The weight gain, down. and the whole, yeah. she, she's lost her mobility. Um, quite a lot of her mobility uh, to the epilepsy. Okay. And um, she she was quite happy to sit in an armchair and listen to music or, um, you know, somebody talk to her or read to her. And, and how often would you see her? How often do you go to see her? Well, before COVID, practically every weekend, you know. Okay. So, okay. Um, and, and are they allowed back because of the, well, we're, it seems like we're coming to an end. Well, I can go visit now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I did have her home at Christmas. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming now that it's all going to, you know, yeah. take off again, that I can have her back for home visits. And what's Hopefully, it, what's it like know. having her back for home visits? Is she is she easier now to manage than she was then? Yes. She's more difficult um, physically for me because she's, obviously she's a, a grown woman. She has put on some weight, yeah. and, but I can manage her. Yeah. Um, and... You know, she just she'll sit and she'll hold my hand, or she'll stroke my face, or you know, mm-hmm. like I said, she's non-verbal, but um, loves to see her brothers and sisters and and that coming, you know, and and they all sing all my tunnels had a farm tour, and <laughs> she loves that, you know. So, yeah. but my advice to that lady, you know, it's so easy for other people to be judgmental. 
Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's not their lives. Yeah. And they really, nobody knows what that woman is going through, only that woman. And did you, and like, she, like, by the way, like Jerry, did you feel guilty for a short time after you did it? I did. Of course I did. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, within a year of Karen going into uh, residential care, I knew I'd made the right decision. For you, you, know, and, for mean, you and your other kids as well. Yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't, as you said, I, I was institutionalized. It wasn't just me. It was them as well. Yeah, of course. You know, life revolved basically in the house around Karen for a long, long time. Do you think that affected um, their lives? Did it affect their lives? Or it did affect their lives, yeah. I mean, really to this did. day, do you think that's affected their lives? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do think it has affected their lives. Um, yeah. I would say um, because Karen was lashing out so much. Yeah. Um, that they, they, they did become a little bit wary of her. I know. And um, yeah. nervous, you know, growing up around her. And um, because you just never knew when she was going to lash out. But she was a danger to or herself. She'd, she'd lean over well. and she'd put yeah. her hand into their dinner and she'd just scoop a handful of their dinner, even though her own was in front of her, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose as a child, you're going, oh, here, you know what the yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as I said, she was a danger to herself and a danger to people around she her as well. She was a danger yeah. to herself, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and from that, that point of view, she has obviously something has some there has to be some form of intervention. Yeah. But look, thank you for sharing the story with us. And I'm sure a lot of people around the country, you know, will, will be listening, and they they maybe are in the similar situation, and maybe it helps somebody to feel a little bit differently about maybe the next decision they want to make. Well, I hope that mother now doesn't, um, you know, um, just decide to mm. keep her son at home because she feels guilty. She needs to try to let him go for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. and see how she copes and see how he copes and, yeah. you know, yeah. take it from there. Absolutely. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed and I appreciate you coming on the air, Teresa. And okay, Niall. Thanks a million. Let me go to Caroline as well. Caroline, you're on Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Caroline? Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. I'm hearing some of these stories today and until we're in somebody's shoes, we just don't know what it's like to live or to be institutionalised into a situation where you're constantly taking abuse every day. As a human being, and that's not good, is it? No, it's not good. But my point was, um, I was sorry to say it's actually there. We have a daughter with special needs. She's 31. Now, she wouldn't be very aggressive. She could lash out, but nothing that would really harm you. Do that sort of way. Yeah, yeah. But my point was, if we got more support from the government, maybe people would be able to cope more. Um, in our situation, like our daughter is 31, and we had respite for 17 years. And just before COVID happened, it was taken from us. That's right. I remember and that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we haven't got it back yet, and I've been fighting for the last two years. And in our case here in Cork, for the last six months, I've been fighting with the foundation that Amy attends about getting the respite back, and I'm getting the same baloney that they're short of staff, that the respite house needs to be inspected by HICWA. I mean, the house so how much respite are you getting every year? I'm not getting nothing at the moment. Nothing at all. Um, Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. So, so um, does Amy get to go anywhere apart from where you bring her? By the way, but no, she she, no. Goes, she attends day services. She attends right, okay. day services. Okay, so she has that. That she goes during the week and whatever. But other than that, thing, she's with us all the time, and she can't look after herself. So, if you yes. just go across to the local shop, you have to bring her. She's an epileptic as well. She developed epilepsy three years ago, so yeah. that's another thing onto her disability. Um, and it's just like you know, she follows me twenty four seven. I, you know, she's. She's just my right arm, really. <laughs> if I go somewhere, she's with me. And I have no break whatsoever. And the house that, you know, the respite house, they're telling me that HICWA has to inspect it. Now, it was only closed because of COVID. It wasn't being used as anything. I can't understand why it's taken six months for it to be inspected and opened up again. You know, it's, again, the government and HICWA. And I, I, don't, I don't know why it hasn't been reinstated at this point. I mean, if you can go to a football stadium with 50,000 people, which you're allowed to now, or you can go into a nightclub packed full of two people. Why can't we reinstate respite? I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't. And to be fair, I think the disability, the disabled were probably the most affected during COVID and the least spoken about because we were the ones at home with them. They had services that were cut and the life that they knew was gone. And they don't understand that school is closed, day services closed, the bus doesn't come for you. So, you know... And, then they, and I know we use the word a lot, regress. They do regress. Of course they, they do. They do regress. And they like even for Amy. She hasn't been for two years and she loved going for respite. I don't know what way she's going to cope now with new staff and things like that. She's going to, have to you know, start all over again. It's going to be like a new process again for her. And so, how often before COVID, how often was she going? 
she was going every second week yeah. and she was going to a residential house that a client would go home and there was her and another service user would go in and Hick would decide that it wasn't a feasible option. But it works perfectly. I mean, you go into hospital and somebody else is in the bed before you. I can't understand why it's not being used. Um, and when they the say parents, it wasn't feasible from a financial point of view, is that what they're saying? No, because they said it was. It's, it's, they said because it was a residential home, it was a person's home. So they used to go home for the weekend, and then other service users used to come in and use that bedroom. Yes. But like the government of this thing that everything should be individual, but that's all very good in theory. But there's no money there for it to happen. So, right. so we need to we need to get the, the, the money there. Yeah. yeah, they close all these things and they want all these options for the the clients, but there's no money for it. So at the end of the day you're worth off, like, mm. like there was us and another family that used to use that house. So we are two families that don't get respite now anymore because of that option. But, you know, their thing is like, you know, include them in the community, have them in community-assisted houses. There's no money for it. Do you know what I mean? Well, so, well we are going to try, um, obviously we're going to follow up this up during the week and I know uh, we'll try and get Anne Rabbit on the air to talk to her about this and why this hasn't happened or why at this point we haven't reinstated uh, respite for families like yourself. In relation to the email that we got in earlier on, which started this whole conversation from a mother who's racked with guilt because she's a 14-year-old, which has become... Well, she can't manage the 14-year-old anymore. She just can't, as similar to our previous caller there who just couldn't manage her daughter anymore. Um, what would you say to her about her thoughts of putting the child into residential care? I know every story is different, Caroline, and every situation oh, is different, and you're not and at you that situation. You know? Do you know something? We have thought about it, and it's something that I probably will have to look at because we're getting older... I have two sons that are younger. I wouldn't expect them to mind Amy. You know, mm-hmm. one is the way. So it probably is something. But if we had more help, we wouldn't need to go down the road to residential. But at the end of the day, you know, I would say to her, don't feel guilty because I've had a couple of times, different times with Amy that when she was very off the wall and probably would have been not sleeping. And if somebody came and told me they were to take her that day with the bus, I'd have given her away. Yeah, and that doesn't mean you don't love her, of course. No, it doesn't mean that I don't love her, but like I know what she's going through. Lack of sleep, lack of support, lack of services, lack of health, and lack of understanding. But here's the whole whole logic behind this, the way we think about this, right, is all a bit skewed because from a governmental point of view, if we provide for Amy and if we provide for, you know, the other children that we talked about today and Louie and everybody else that, and Jerry was talking about Louie, who's 20, 26 years of age now, he was 21. Yeah, and I've heard her before. She's yeah. so and, brilliant. And if we provided for people and gave them more support and gave them more help, well, then they wouldn't have to put them into residential care, which probably costs twice as much. Do you understand and what I'm saying? it costs twice as much. Yeah, and this is what I've been saying and I'm telling you now, trying to deal with these people, with the foundation, with the HSC, and with the government, you're banging your head off a brick wall. They don't want to hear it. It's all and bureaucracy, think, yes. It's just bureaucracy. I do think if it was any other section of society, they wouldn't be treated that way because our children don't have a voice and we are their voices. And that's the reason why they are being treated that way. Well, you're the carers. Anybody else, yeah. they wouldn't be treated that way. They wouldn't. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be treated that way. And I've all said it on numerous occasions. If it was any other section of society, it would be called discrimination. They are being treated horrendously and because they can't speak up for themselves. And we are their voices and we get very tired. And it becomes very wearying, day in, day out, battling for services for someone who can't ask for themselves. And there's, you know, there has, I know, I know, no, no, you, you've admitted there has been days where somebody said to you, listen, the bus is coming this afternoon to take her away. You'd be happy to see that because you were so exhausted. <laughs> I was. And I tell you, I would have gift wrapped her and put her into the back <laughs> of the bus. And I've said it to them, laughingly, and they know that I don't mean, because I love her to bits. And we all love her. But gee, Chris, she's hard work. I know, I know, I, I, I know. And she Jim, can be challenging. Of course, she is hard work. Yeah, and children with challenging needs can be hard work. And we are only human beings. We're not immortal, you know, and we're not infallible. We're human beings. There's only a limit to what we can do and what we can take. And when I listen to mothers, primarily mothers who've been talking to us today, who've been hit, beat, had their teeth smashed in, pushed downstairs, whatever it is, by their children because their children have special needs. And not that their children mean to do these things or do it with any intent. But when I hear that, I don't know how they, I just don't know how they do it. I couldn't do no, it. No, and they don't mean and like that. Like Amy would be now for my younger son because there was such a big gap. And she's still now, he's 20, nearly 20 now, so he doesn't take much notice. But she would still go for him because she's jealous of him. Yeah. And like that's just her way of like, she gets frustrated if you're talking to him. She can't communicate, yeah. She doesn't, her. that's her way of but communicating. Like, she called him a bold boy. And but she can tell now she's well used, well used to using bad language and whatever. She's <laughs> her own, like that selective mutism. Well, she's, so, are you telling me she swears like a sailor? Oh, she swears like her mother. She swears like a sailor. Yeah, she, <laughs> she gets that from me. But like, 
she would lash out, but he's getting bigger now. But when he was younger, I had to kind of say, you know, keep out of her way, go out the other side of the car, because you know when she's going to do it, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. She'd bang her head first or something, they should go for someone else, like, you know, but... So, but somebody was somebody was going to be the now. victim over that day. Yeah, you'd know. Yeah. yeah. You'd know when she's going to do it. Like, that's what we always say, watch her, she's going to give someone a wallop or whatever, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and what was it like, but, if, say, when you went out to, say, a restaurant with the family or whatever, like, was that even a possibility to do that? Would she sit down and have no, a meal? No, she would. She yeah. would. She would. I mean, like, if she's good, she's very good. But if she's bold, and that, you know, if she's, if she's off with anything, and it's hard to say, then she's a nightmare. Yeah. I think she's a nightmare. Yeah. You know, she's, you know, she's hard work when she's good, but when she's not and can good. you bring her on holidays? We can, if she's kind of good. Now, I brought her one time with me and my sisters, and we had horrendous four days because she was just totally off the wall, and it was, it was a bit of a nightmare. But look, yeah, <laughs> um, we decided to bring her for my 50th. I kind of said, said to my sister after, whose idea was that? But anyway, look, yeah. we yeah. survived it. Yeah, <laughs> we, absolutely. We absolutely. survived it. But it would be nice to get away on your own without her, you know. But yeah. that's another thing. We can't do that anymore because we don't do the respite, and it's like, banging your head on the wall like asking for these things okay well look Caroline as I said we are going to follow it up um, Ashling is going yeah, to try and write to Anne Rabbit and we'll see she is coming in because I would love to ask her a few questions and that's what she is doing for the disabled because I think they're doing very little okay well look we will follow it up this week and we'll try and get her on this week to talk to oh, us okay, about it alright that's perfect thanks Matt. All right, thank you very much indeed Caroline Caroline like many parents across the country want to know when respite is coming back yeah, everything else is coming back you can go to a nightclub you can go to a football match but we need to get our kids looked after don't we Hi now, my heart goes out to that lady. I have a severely autistic child and at the beginning used to literally attack me all the time, pull lumps out of my hair. I had three massive black eyes from him. It's hard going. He's 11 now. As we went years with no sleep, living on two to three hours sleep, trying to work a full-time job. He's much calmer now as he's got older, but she shouldn't feel guilty at all even considering putting her child into residential. Everybody's circumstances are different. She has young kids. I'm lucky enough I only have my son that lives at home with me now that I concentrate on. But by God, people need to have a bit of compassion. Just because that was the hand she's dealt doesn't mean she has to live that hand she was dealt. She has to do what's right for her and her other children and for the safety of herself and her other children. People just need to walk in her shoes, walk in any parent's shoes with special needs. Just because my child's doing good now and he does still have his moments, but I deal with them now. But if he was beating me every day, I don't know what I'd do because he's 11, but he has the strength of a grown man. And children with special needs, when they're in meltdowns and they're frustrated, they have enormous strength. So I praise that woman. I really do. And I hope she finds the help and support she needs. Well said. Well said. All right. And we will try and follow that up, as I said, during the week. We'll talk, try and talk to Anne Rabbit, particularly about respite in relation to it. Back to the email. But I think listening to everybody today, don't feel guilty. But unfortunately, you will feel guilty because that's just what mothers and fathers do when they love their children. When they have to do something like that, they will feel guilty. It's just a fact of life. But try not. Try not to let the guilt overcome you and do what you believe is the best thing to do. You're only one person. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.